0: Welcome back to From the Edge. Today's podcast is FDA for Startups, part of our Mince Edge 101 series. My name is Sam Efron. I'm a partner here at MINTS in the venture capital and emerging growth practice. Mince is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. For other really interesting podcasts, articles, and other content, check out minceedge.com. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Benjamin Zagarelli, an attorney practicing in our FDA and health regulatory practice. Ben provides counsel on compliance and regulatory issues to clients in the pharmaceutical, medical device, and biotech industries, with a clear focus on FDA regulatory counseling. His practice also includes advising clients on research approval, sales, and negotiating contractual relationships. And in a former life, Ben worked as a research chemist in the discovery group of a major research-based healthcare and pharmaceutical company. Ben works with companies from the earliest stage to large public companies, But today we're gonna focus on the issues that founders of a pharmaceutical medical device or biotech startup should be focusing on from day one and how to plan for your company's growth. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, Sam. How's it going? It's great, I'm great, great to be here. Good, I'm glad to have you. So we have startups come in all the time in various industries. Um, Some of them have medical devices or other biotech and uh, we know that there's always a tension between how much money folks have to spend on legal services in the beginning, and what they're going to end up needing later on when they actually build their devices and go out into the market. Um, So I think it'd be really helpful to to chat about what you usually uh, advise clients in terms of strategies, early stage, uh, what you can plan for at the beginning, even if you're not spending money on it, and kind of have a roadmap later on. So I guess let's kick it off. Um, I'm curious, what are the primary questions... Founders of a startup need to ask themselves with respect to regulatory compliance.
1: Well, so I, I think I should start out by saying that, you know, for a startup, um, uh, FDA regulatory matters are going to be, uh, it's going to be really complex. There's a long road ahead and there's a lot of things to consider. But I think there are five main things uh, that a startup should consider when they uh, are thinking, hey, do I have a an FDA regulated product? And uh, And if so, how am I going to... Uh, address those issues going forward. So the first thing is, is to ask, what is the technology or product that we're developing? Um, this is going to set the stage for what FDA regulations and what uh, statutes are going to be uh, uh, become applicable as the company moves forward with its development. Um, so the, the startup has to ask, is, is, this, a, is this a medical product, um, a device, a drug, a biologic? Uh, human uh, tissue cell or, or a tissue cell-based product um, or even a combination product. And a lot of this information, uh, I should say, about the different medical products and what products will be considered a device, drug, biologic combination product, you can find a lot of that on FDA's website. So it's important to look there at the, at the resources uh, to identify what your product is going to be. Um, but is it going to be a food? Is it going to be a dietary supplement? Is it a cosmetic? Uh, or other personal care product? Um, is there anything, uh, uh, is there any cannabis uh, in there, or can- is it a cannabis derived product? Uh, that has become a recently important matter to the FDA um, and other regulatory agencies. Um, so those are the major product types that are going, that FDA is going to regulate. But I should also add that FDA uh, covers both these types of products that are uh, applicable to humans and also to animals. So just because you have uh, animal products, uh, maybe like a, a, a medical device that is uh, targeted towards or intended for use with animals, that doesn't mean you get to avoid uh, FDA scrutiny. Uh, you still need to evaluate what do I need to do uh, to get regulatory pro- approval, or is regulatory approval necessary for so that like type an- of product?
0: So animal, uh, like pet foods and, sure. and uh, devices for. Yeah, you know, uh, shock collars or things like that, right?
1: Or even like for surgical instruments mm-hmm. that are uh, especially intended for animals. Uh, in fact, recently I we dealt with a question. Uh, and, uh, me and one of my colleagues, there there was a, an ultrasound uh, uh, probe, and they have a special accessory that's for that's uh, intended for use with horses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that type of device, you have to consider: does that mean that it expands the indi- uh, the indication for use? Is it something that requires regulatory approval? Mm-hmm. So, like anything, when you when you have a, a technology or product that is going to be, you know, a, it's it's, it's going to have chemical action, or it's intended for a therapeutic use mm-hmm. um, on a human or an animal, that's where you should, when you should start thinking: oh, this is FD, might be FDA territory. I need to see what's going to Uh, affect my product from a regulatory standpoint
0: right and 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 that probably also extends to apps too right that that, oh definitely yeah yeah
1: Yeah. software is things that people might not
0: think of as medical devices but that actually are
1: yeah that is true we get a lot of questions from software developers uh that say well i should i should clarify that not really questions but more like uh, you know, some a person like like you uh, in the law firm is dealing with a, a client, and they say, "Oh, hey, we develop software, uh, and it's in the medical space." And and the and uh, the person in corporate will go, "Have you talked to an FDA regulatory attorney?" And they go, "No. Why would we need to do that?" And then you know, once we get involved, we find out like we found out, uh, you know, definitely should be thinking about FDA regulation um, because uh, anything that is Health-based or uh, based around the, uh, the uh, therapeutic use uh, for software or any sort of medical indication, FDA has been very very strong recently in, in enforcement actions um, and has developed a lot of different standards and requirements for software development. So that's definitely an area to uh, to keep FDA regulation in mind. So the second area, uh, the second question that uh, we should uh, the startup should consider is uh what laws or regulations will apply so once you figured out what your product is then you need to think about okay so where what what specific laws and regulations am i gonna have to look at like just to get a lay of the land uh, and and figure out what the the different requirements could be out there so applicable laws uh, regulations and guidance are all different for each product type fda has developed uh specific guidances and regulations for each uh, type of product, whether it's a device, drug, biologic, so a medical product, or a food, or a dietary supplement. There's all sorts of regulations and guidance out there that, uh, that are specific to product type. And I, sh- I should say that the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act is going to, uh, is pretty broad in scope, and it's going to reach a lot of these product types. Um, But other laws will also uh, affect certain medical product development. So it's important to look beyond just the uh, Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act and and, uh, think about other requirements there. Um, And uh, and really, uh, each startup should be trying to understand those applicable regulations before initiating design and development to sort of think about how is this going to affect the indication that I'm going for or the the type of design elements that I need to include uh, when we're trying to work towards the market. Um, And so this is also important because then startups can uh, start planning uh, their compliance programs uh, and their standard operating procedures to get that sort of worked out before they go to the regulatory agencies, or before they're ready to submit for pre-market review. Uh, in the case of medical products,
0: okay.
1: uh, the third question that a startup should be asking is: uh, Did, what how did? So, like, did, just go back and consider: How did we acquire this uh, technology, or develop this technology or product? So, there, there I'm, I'm thinking about this uh, from two different uh, possibilities. So, one is that the um, the, the startup uh, acquired the technology, so there's um, maybe it's a more developed company, uh, and they and they acquired a, uh, some IP or some assets from another smaller company, um, and they're trying to build those out. Um, or on the other hand, maybe it's you know a true startup. They they have an idea for a product and they're developing it from scratch. So if the technology was acquired, um, first of all, uh, I w- I would hope that. Any company that has acquired a technology it did uh, a substantial due diligence on the on the previous entity that held the IP, um, and uh, you know to see whether uh, in the design and development that appropriate steps were taken to make sure that they were complying with any uh, regulatory uh, requirements or that they had a regulatory strategy in mind as they were developing the product. So, if it but if the technology was acquired, the company needs to make sure that they get all of the uh, design documents, the specifications for the product, um, any proposed or planned labeling, um, any testing or validation documentation uh, from the seller uh, in order to support the regulatory strategy. So this is important from uh, a couple different directions. Like first you wanna make sure that there's a regulatory strategy um, and uh, the documents to support that strategy moving forward. And also a lot of times when a company acquires technology uh, from a seller, they might have a different direction that they want to take the technology. So you got to make sure that with the revised regulatory strategy that whatever was done before is consistent with that. Um, and there, you don't need to like make modifications or if there have already been communications with the FDA or other government agencies uh, in terms of regulatory compliance, that those communications interactions are... Are reinitiated in order to uh, uh, make the agency aware of any possible changes um, and make sure that you know the way, the direction that the the new owner of the technology is taking that product is is acceptable. Um, so then, um, again, if if, uh, if the technology is a, is, requ- is acquired, another uh, thing that needs to be considered is uh, the uh, marketing authorizations and notifications, um, if there are any. So those need to be transferred. To the buyer. Um, so, if there's a 510k, if there's an, uh, an, a new drug application or uh, a uh, an investigational new drug application, anything that's going to be like a regulatory approval, all that stuff needs to be assigned over uh, or transferred over to the buyer, um, and that will make sure that the the, the continuation uh, of the marketing approval and the and the commercialization that, that proceeds without too many. Uh, hurdles or obstacles, they can just continue smoothly into the new buyer. Um, also, the uh, the buyer needs to think about transferring or applying for new facility registration. So, if they've acquired a facility, uh, that registration needs to transfer over to the new owner operator. Um, or if there's going to be a new facility that's that's uh, going to take on the new uh, the, the manufacturing responsibilities, that needs to be it. That that could be a huge undertaking because if it's a drug, uh, you need to make sure that you're engaging with FDA on the chemistry, manufacturing and controls uh, that, that need to be, those requirements need to be satisfied before the facility can be up and running. FDA will probably need to inspect the facility uh, before it gets up and running. So there's a, there are a lot of requirements there. But even if you are just starting up a manufacturing facility for a medical device, um, need to make sure that it complies with all of the uh, F- uh the fda quality system requirements so and and is registered appropriately so all of that stuff needs to be rolled into these considerations about what to do uh when uh getting the new technology uh in-house so but then if the startup has developed the technology itself um you need to really have a roadmap of the regulatory requirements uh, and to plan the interactions with the FDA um, and potentially other regulatory agencies to sort of figure out how to get that product onto the market. Um, and it's really great to, to uh, it's a really great idea to know those requirements and map that out in the strategy moving forward. So when are we going to engage with FDA? What, like, what's the plan? What are we going to tell them? Uh, you know, and that that plan can evolve over time, but it's, it's really definitely a good idea to sort of, be thinking about that uh, before you get too far down the road
0: so when when should a startup engage with the fda
1: so that's a i mean that's a complex question and it depends on the on the product in in a lot of cases um you really don't need to uh engage with fda too quickly so like they uh in a lot of cases for drugs or devices biologics it's really you're really um looking at like a a a pre IND or uh, this is the uh, meeting the pre-IND meeting, uh, which is the stage right before uh, you get an investigational new product. Uh, sorry, an investigational new drug application. So uh, it's it's the meeting where uh, you sort of tell FDA about your drug, um, your investigational drug, and your plans for clinical trials, mm-hmm. and, and FDA sort of you know gives the green light to go ahead right. and develop a protocol. Um, and then for devices it's really, you're talking about a pre-submission meeting where you've got your technology, you've got your, it's all designed and developed and you have uh, your plan to go forward and basically you're at the, the pre-market review stage almost and you go to FDA and say, well, here's our here's what we've done so far and here's what we're thinking in terms of, uh, of regulatory process, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think? Okay. So, um, it, but it really depends on the on the product, but usually there's a lot of design development lead time before you actually need to engage with FDA. But you know sometimes, it's really good to engage with FDA early, especially when you have a really novel product that uh, no one has thought of before. So if you have a, a, an entirely different uh, uh, mode, of, uh, mode of action, um, uh, sorry, uh, mechanism of action, uh, or potentially administration method, or something like that, um, or if it's a completely new device technology, that's something that FDA might want to see beforehand, uh, like really early, so that you can get their sense of what is this. Mm-hmm. What like what like if there's no precedent for that type of technology, it's really good to get in front of FDA early and say we're really excited about this. Um, you know, we're we're going through our development process, but we really want to check in with FDA and see what the thoughts are before we get too far down the road with uh, development to uh, make sure whether FDA has any spe- specific concerns that need to be addressed in. Um, the design development process or the testing process, if it's preclinical testing, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that that can be helpful sometimes. So you need to really gauge it on the type of uh, product it is and your <laughs> sort of the, the company's stomach for going to FDA early uh, and their comfort with presenting a new technology uh, to the agency um, and getting feedback. Right.
0: so Well, so, it sounds incredibly complex. What do startups uh, typically need some kind of internal, Regulatory affairs or quality assurance departments from the get go, or is that something they can build out? So that's,
1: I mean, that's something. It's it. it again, it's it really depends on the type of uh, the type of company, the type of product. Um, I would say that typically um, regulatory affairs is is really important to have uh, right at the start. Um, you know, any company that has that's developing a medical product or an FDA regulated product should really think about having uh, regulatory affairs on as soon as possible to sort of guide the company through the, the regulatory process and really start thinking about those things early. Um, so, it, you know, and in my view, uh, it, it's, it's essential to have uh, the regulatory affairs personnel. So, and, and this is really just, as I said, to guide the, the company down the regulatory path, figure out the regulatory strategy, start developing the standard operating procedures um, you know, getting, getting everything in place. The the counterpart to regulatory affairs um, is, is usually uh, the quality assurance department, uh, which is really responsible for the quality of the manufacturing, making sure that ev- the quality system is developed and followed. Qu- uh, quality assurance can probably come on after the fact, a little later, like more when, uh, you know, d- later in design and development, but really, you know you need quality assurance on board to to really hammer out the rest of those standard operating uh, procedures the quality system which is more important as you get like a a, a higher risk product uh, when you're developing a uh, uh, higher risk technologies like drugs or like uh, class three devices um, or even advanced class two devices so you know it again product specific but you know essentially the idea is you want regulatory affairs there early uh, to set the Tone for the regulatory strategy, mm-hmm. and then as as you build out, you can start to get the quality assurance people on board. But that's but that's really the 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 way startups should be thinking about this. And
0: and for regulatory affairs, is that essentially just one of the founders wearing that hat and integrating, uh, you know, working with with outside counsel, or is that a specialized hire that that a, a group of founders are going to have to consider in their initial hires? How does that normally work?
1: Well. You know, there are some founders who have regulatory affairs experience. Um, I wouldn't, i I I'd certainly say there are people like that out there. Typically not though. Um, and I would be wary of any, of wearing a regulatory hat if you don't actually have the proper experience as a regulatory affairs professional. There are actually accredited regulatory affairs professionals out there who really should be handling the regulatory affairs matters. Mm-hmm. Now it's, if you're talking about you know really the initial phases of a startup, like coming in right off the bat and saying, "Well, here's our essential regulatory strategy and how we're going to pursue this," probably the the initial ownership, the founders can do that um, and just like set the stage. But really, soon after that, they need to get a uh, regulatory affairs professional. Uh, on board to, uh, to flesh that out and really figure out what the regulatory requirements are to move forward and whether the regulatory strategy is even feasible. To answer your other question or address the, the other point you put in there, regulatory council probably could do some of that. Um, and certainly, the uh, regulatory council, like you know, this is like what I do. Uh, we have the experience to advise on a regulatory strategy, but you really need somebody like on the ground, in the company, Mm -hmm. really working with the actual technology and the platform who can dedicate all of their time, uh, to the regulatory path for this particular product and then work in conjunction with regulatory counsel to sort of figure out the legal implications of moving forward.
0: And is that something that you ever see is outsourced? Are there, are there companies that will provide that regulatory affair, uh, Service to startups, or is that something that is is an actual hire that you need somebody internally? Oh no,
1: there are absolutely consultants that you can hire. Typically, they're pretty expensive, Um, so you know it's you need to be willing to. You need to be willing to pay about as much as you would for a regulatory counsel in some cases. I mean, it's not cheap to to hire a a regulatory affairs professional as a consultant, um, especially for the really well-regarded consulting firms. But, you know, it's possible. You can definitely get somebody on board to just sort of help with the initial stages um, and then build out regulatory affairs as you move forward. But definitely it's a good idea to have somebody focused on, regulatory affairs and, and working directly with the company, if not inside the company, mm-hmm. uh, to, to get started on regulatory affairs issues. Right.
0: Now, cost is always a concern for startups. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the regulatory affairs just now. What about, you know, what's the right time to involve regulatory counsel?
1: So regulatory counsel um, can, it usually comes in a little bit later. So. Um, usually, if there's a, a regulatory affairs person, they can handle most of the early matters because that's really about setting the regulatory strategy, understanding what the legal requirements are, you know, really just like building out the very basics and setting that, setting that platform uh, to move forward. But you know, in certain cases, like if the company acquired uh, the technology or the product that they're going to be building out, regulatory counsel needs to be consulted right away. Uh, to make sure that the uh, the requirements uh, it, it, that the company is following the requirements uh, uh, for compliance. So, you know, in that case, you would ha- you would bring the technology in house and you would want to hire regulatory counsel to come in and really say, so did the seller uh, comply with all the, the applicable requirements? Um, you know, what stage were they at um, in terms of getting the uh, product to commercialization? Were they doing studies? You know, uh, they, So the uh, regulatory council can really check that out and make sure uh, of that end of the compliance. But then also you want to make sure the regulatory council can make sure for the buyer that they're moving forward in a compliant way and like, can work with the regulatory affairs professional to sort of figure that all out. Um, if the company is developing the technology or the product, it's it's best to consult uh, regulatory council towards the end of the research and development process. So before validation testing um, or performance testing, um, so that the, the council can uh, begin preparing the company's regulatory strategy and engagement, uh, FDA engagement approach. So this is when, uh, you know, you, you're developing the technology, you're at the end of the design process, the development process, um, and you're really going to start the activities that are going to get a lot of FDA attention, like how is this product uh tested and, and validated, um, if, whether that's in performance testing for devices um, or if it's in clinical trials, like that's the time when you really need to engage counsel to make sure that going forward you're following the, the regulatory requirements um, and really adhering to that regulatory strategy. Um, and also it's important to, uh, to hire regulatory counsel around the time when the company's thinking about engaging with FDA, like uh, going to these meetings and really presenting their, uh, their their product, their technology to the agency, um, and putting, uh, putting forth their best advocacy for why they should be able to move forward with the development process and, and get closer to uh, commercializing the product. So that's, that's a good time to have regulatory counsel come in. Um, so also, you, you know, just in general, regulatory counsel should be uh, reviewing the product itself, like what it is, uh, where it fits in the regulatory framework. So, you know, whether it's the applicable statutes, uh, regulations or guidance um, or the type of pre-market review that's necessary, um, the indication or the, uh, uh, the intended purpose of the product. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of relevant information there to assess the risks. And by risks, I mean, wh- the, both to the company... So figuring out if FDA is going to uh, home in on any of the information that's being provided to the agency to say that's not quite what we meant in the regulations or the guidance and you really need to go back and take a look at those requirements to really flesh that out and sort of change your path forward. That happens all the time. Um, but also the risks that to potential patients because that's always in the, uh, the analysis of uh, whether something's gonna come to market is gonna be based on the potential risks on the consumer side and the user side. So the regulatory uh, council should be looking at all that to make sure that it's in line with FDA's expectations um, and the regulations and guidance. Um, and that can be really helpful going into meetings with the FDA.
0: Um, so, so you know, we, we talked a lot about interactions between the company and the FDA um, startups, you know, should they be concerned about the FDA? At what point should they be concerned? You know, what are the risks um, that, that you're, you're most concerned about when you're counseling startups? In this sure.
1: Phase? Yeah. Well, let me just start off by saying that the, the size and stage of development of the company shouldn't affect its uh, focus on uh, compliance. Um, you know, the, the regulatory uh, compliance and the, those expectations by the FDA, they're it's critical for all sizes and stages of companies and fda doesn't discriminate they don't say oh you're pre-market so it doesn't matter we're not going to enforce against you fda is always on the lookout for non-compliance um and there's there are compliance uh requirements for uh for pre-market companies and there are uh, a lot of requirements for post-market companies but you know you really need you you can't consider like oh uh, you know, my, 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 the size of my company, the stage of the development, it, we're so early that it, that it doesn't matter to FDA. You really can't take that approach. You gotta, you gotta think FDA is always sort of watching, like somebody from FDA could see my product, could see what I'm putting the, the statements I'm putting out to the public on the product. So there really needs to be that sense of we should be looking to be compliant, um, as much as possible at all times. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, There's leeway there's room for movement but really you can't just like ignore fda um, until you're at the commercialization stage Um, so but then pulling back a little bit it's it's pretty rare for fda to go after um pre-market stage companies um at least companies that are still in the design development um you know usually even like the the uh, performance testing or clinical development stages although there are Examples there, there and there's are certainly some uh, very prominent examples of FDA going after pre-market uh, companies, especially if uh, a company, a pre-market company, is promoting a product before it's cleared or approved for commercialization, um, or if the the company is. Uh, conducting clinical trials and is shipping uh, investigational products across state lines uh, prior to obtaining uh, the, the relevant exemption like the, uh, like the IND um, or the uh, investigational device exemption. So, you know, those, those are definitely prominent areas where, where FDA will come after uh, pre-market companies, so you always have to be on the lookout for that. Um, also, while, while FDA doesn't inspect uh, companies that aren't registered with the agency uh, yet as a manufacturing or, uh, uh, entity or otherwise supporting distribution of a product um, or companies that, um, that, that don't have uh, an FDA-regulated product um, in pre-market review um, or on the market. There, there are different requirements for different products. So, you know, the um, FDA uh, does inspections for pre-market companies in the context of, like, a drug uh, that's in or biologic that's in pre-market review um, they have to uh, pre do a pre inspection of the facility, but for the most part, F- FDA doesn't doesn't conduct inspections of companies prior to that time. But even but even still, even if you're not under uh, uh, under the expectation of having FDA inspectors come in, uh, that doesn't mean that the company can just ignore FDA regulations. So you know they really have to be have to consider that regulatory compliance um, is important throughout the life cycle. Of the company, um, and it's just as important to understand uh, what the applicable regulations are and build compliant processes um, and systems and adequate controls through the early stage um, as it is after FDA clearance or approval and at the commercial stage.
0: All right. So we're we're about to wrap it up. I guess I, w- I have one final question for you. I, I'm a startup in the med tech device. I've got limited funds. What's my number one priority when I'm when I'm calling when I'm calling you?
1: Really I, I think if you're if you're a startup that's very early stage and you're and you're really just considering like here's our product, here's here's what we have, uh uh here's our idea and what we're gonna be working on and, and we're we're really just concerned on how to bring it to market. So so you know, you're saying FDA council, you know, give me like give me the advice that I need to move on to the, the next stage. So really I would say you have to keep an open mind about about regulatory requirements um a lot of the the companies that we uh, have worked with at the early stages there's a there's a sort of surprise or initial resistance of oh hey i didn't know i was going to be fda regulated I, i like how do how do i avoid fda regulation or you know, not consider it until it's, until it's actually, you know, uh, until I get, you know, like a notice that I'm regulated by FDA. You don't want to, I I would, I would say you don't want to think that way. You want to, you want to come to um, FDA council with the idea of, I really, if if you're not, if you don't know that you're regulated, just sort of consider that and, and consider what FDA council is going to tell you. In fact, we may say we have to do a full analysis in order to understand exactly what the product is and its intended use uh, to figure out whether it is FDA regulated or not. And, you know, that's not, that's not a bad thing to do. Um, Really, you should have, if you're going to engage counsel at this early stage uh, of being a startup and having, you know, product development, you really want to think like, in order to have the best strategy to get to market and really have this sort of comfort that we need to move forward. You should really think about doing that first analysis. To really say is this a, an FDA regulated product? If you can get an opinion maybe not a formal opinion, but if you can get an assessment from a, a regulatory counsel that this probably is not FDA regulated for these reasons, that's going to be really helpful for for you moving forward. If counsel is going to say, "Oh, you're definitely regulated by the FDA, and here's how you need to think about this, and, and you need to have this regulatory strategy going forward. That can be perceived as a setback, but also it should be uh, considered an opportunity of how to leverage your product in a, in a market that maybe you didn't think you could get into uh, before. Um, and then there, I will say there are times when regulatory counsel will say, this is a new technology, and we're really not sure Based on the current regulations and guidance, whether this would actually be regulated, so we would advise you to go to FDA and ask and say, "Here's our pro- here's our product, here's our technology. We don't think it's regulated. Uh, if if that's true, if, and what reasons uh, you would give for that?" And FDA may say, "We agree with you. We that there there have been products that that have." gotten to the market by going to FDA and just saying, here is our product, we don't think it's regulated, but we really want to check with you, FDA, before we put it out on the market. And FDA has, has appreciated those communications and will give its opinion. And if it's if FDA doesn't think it's regulated, then they'll say so. Um, but then if they do think it's regulated, they'll say why. And they will give you an opinion as to uh, the type of product it is and, and the they won't give you the regulatory strategy, but they'll give you a direction to move in and to start considering. Right. So that type of analysis up front is really important to understand how you can get to market with your product and what requirements are you're going to face along the way.
0: Right. So be prepared.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Um, well, this is great. Thank you so much, Ben. I really appreciate you having you here. Um, if you have any questions, listeners, for Ben, you can reach him through our website, which is mints.com. You can also reach me through that site or through the Mince Edge site. Once again, you can check Mince Edge for lots of articles, podcasts, events, and other content that might be relevant to your startup. And we'll look forward to hearing from you and come on back for the next episode of From the Edge. Thanks very much for listening.